0: Hello. hello hello, and welcome to the Pioneers Post podcast,
1: social enterprise stories and conversations from across the world.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to Fit for the Future, a Pioneers Post podcast created and co-hosted with our partners at Buzzagod Accountants. My name is Tim West and this is my co-host Eddie Finch.
2: Hello, yes this is Fit for the Future where the Buzzagod and Pioneers Post teams will meet some of the stars of social enterprise and mission-driven businesses and explore what it means to build a healthy, resilient, sustainable organisation that's able to do good and well at the same time. We'll be asking some big questions such as, how do you build a strong culture? How do you find the right finance to grow and scale your mission? How do you navigate risk? And what does it
0: mean to measure and manage your impact? This episode, we meet two social enterprise leaders, Anna Witty, who's been chief executive at community transport charity ECT for more than 13 years. And Natalie Campbell, who began her stint as the boss of ethical drinks business Blue Water just three weeks before the coronavirus lockdown was announced in March.
2: Yeah, great stuff. So just casting our minds back to when things went strange to early March this year, maybe starting with Natalie, could you tell us a a bit about what you were doing and what was your experience? And having just joined an organisation, what you found yourself faced with?
3: So for context, I joined Blue on the 2nd of March. I met the team on the 3rd of March. Being a remote team, uh, that was the last time I saw them until September. So I came in and pretty much went into crisis planning. Baloo is a, an amazing business in that because we give 100% of our net profit to WaterAid, the business is cash positive. So our crisis plan- planning was twofold. On one hand, it was, we know the hospitality industries is going to, to ground to a halt and therefore sales will flatline to zero. But equally, we have to manage cash, ensure that we can still give our primary partner water aid as much money as possible and also be a really responsible business and be sympathetic to, to our industry. And the sort of internal thing that I crafted for the team was right now we have the gift of time. The first day I met you, you all said you're busy. Everyone was deep in the weeds no one had time to, to really think about strategy planning, let alone the petrarch I asked them to do. So now we have the gift of time to do a reset. What's the potential for the business? What could we be in 10 years time? And so we started what we've been t- calling internally Baloo Project 2030. And the upside for us as a business was that we had three months of creatively coming together to ask what if without any boundaries or constraints, whilst also sort of on a daily basis managing our own, I guess, crisis management. And we had a, a blue Cobra um, as a daily meeting, just looking at cash flow, looking at our customer resilience, looking at our own internal culture, and making sure we were looking after our people. But I I felt positive throughout the whole period. And I think I'm, I hope I'm not unique in, in that instance.
2: I would hope not, but that, that sounds really quite Liberating in in some ways. So what kind of things did you decide and actions did you take as a result of your deliberations?
3: So I created a new executive team. So our our heads of filtration and trading and operations became the exec team. I tasked them all with looking at different verticals, so totally new product ranges, um, looking at NPD in things that weren't just water or, or drinks. We also doubled down looking at filtration and thinking about how we could scale filtration not just across the UK but but globally and I don't want to share any teasers too too soon but it's likely we will launch in Asia by the end of the year and that is a result of just having the space to to do to do the thinking we did a total reset on our purpose and culture so the you know at the start of, of the podcast I said that our new refreshed purpose is to change the way the world sees water by 2030. For a long time the business has been about giving 100% profits to WaterAid and that continues but our environmental impact felt very much like an operational activity as opposed to being right at the heart of everything that we do and so now when we're talking about water yes it's bringing water to people that don't have access to clean toilets and sanitation but it's also talking about the impact that business and society has on the the planet and oceans and thinking about water as a powerful life resource that should not be wasted
2: oh wow so you really refocus the whole purpose of the organization which is which is great
3: with the team fully on board and that's the gift of time uh, as, a, as a new CEO being able to say to the whole team let's spend a week just have a conversation you don't get the luxury of that in in BAU so
2: why waste a good crisis as they say uh, exactly
0: gosh well I guess the experience at ECT Anna was similar in some ways but very different in others so what was the situation with uh, ECT at the beginning of the lockdown and I guess you didn't have the luxury of uh, being able to go into into think mode because there was lots to do
1: It was like watching the world implode in slow motion living through March. We're we're at the sharp end of working with schools, working with older people. And we were also geographically at the epicentre of COVID in March when Northwick Park Hospital, a local hospital, uh, declared their crisis So we were sort of in the middle of it, and the the first thing to do is to keep our passengers and to keep our staff safe. But really, the overriding thing that I remember is the same staff saying, look, Anna, what can we do to help? And that's exactly the the sort of uh, attitude that ECTs always try to do, you know, sort of step up when needed It's also what the charity world does we as charities are set up in a way that we can respond very quickly when the need is there and it's recognizing that need but in, in those sort of mid march days getting on for sort of the 23rd of march when when lockdown happened nobody really knew what the need was i mean this, this is obviously unprecedented so I put a tweet out, we are here to help, just a simple message, and made a few suggestions. You know, it was, it was all about making sure older people were able to eat, how, how we could perhaps work with supermarkets, but the message, a very simple message, we are here to help. Our tweets went viral, and when it became clear that the community, and this is across the whole country going to need help with food deliveries, ECT was in in a really good place. We had vehicles, we had staff, we were prepared to step up, we were prepared to do everything we could to make it work. In the end, we delivered 25,000 food uh, drop-offs during the last few months. The best thing I think that's come out of it is that the local community, the local authority that may take us for granted actually recognised what we did. Just now looking back, it seems like we didn't really do very much and it was, you know, what's the big deal? So we have to keep on reminding ourselves that actually when everybody else was really worried at home safely, working from home, we were out there. And it's a privilege to have been a key worker during such a critical time for not just our country, but in the whole world.
2: And it's a really amazing um, pivot that you you needed to do there and and, and take on that that new role. But alongside that, were there thoughts around what might happen after and how you'd protect the organisation and the people and the team's For when we maybe go back to normal one day,
1: I think the point is is that uh, delivering food parcel, we didn't do it with our reserves, and we were recompensed, if you like. And and just watching other colleagues, watching other organisations restarting from zero now is very hard. Not just the safety aspect, but it's your customers, your loyal base, etc. Because we continued operating throughout, we. We've grown up with COVID. We understood very early on how it worked and how to keep our staff safe. So we've not changed anything throughout. Was you know we've moved quite considerably, I think, to our understanding generally. But we we've, we've been there all the way, and it's just so much easier to carry on operating, carry on working with perhaps fewer GP surgeries than we would have done. But it's then easier to build on it and to sort of get back to where you'd like to be more quickly than if you're starting from a zero position.
2: So you maintained a lot of momentum in the organisation and and kept a lot of your links with the community alive through that period.
1: Well, exactly. And and it's about the opportunity, you know, why waste a crisis? We created new relationships with organisations that we all knew each other of, of each other's existence, but one of them sort of said, well, we, we had no idea what you did, Anna, you know. <laughs> it, it's until people have a need for transport, they don't really appreciate what it can do. And actually, what people were less sort of impressed with the transport, they're more impressed with a can-do mentality. We were dealing with people who had never done any logistics before, so very patiently, we helped them get their act together and turned it into a very efficient very impressive kind of operation you know de- delivering the food
0: yeah it's really interesting hearing both of you talk about these stories of how you survived and how part of that process allowed you to do different things to start to liberate your own thinking and potentially the thinking of some of the partners that you work with some of the clients that you have I wonder Natalie you talked about uh, how you'd manage to, if you like, liberate your team, both in terms of time and and thought process. Just thinking ahead now to what normal might look like, uh, the new normal, as everyone's saying, and to the relationships you have with some of your customers, you know, in the hospitality industry, etc. Where do you think that the new normal will go for Bellu? And and have you similar sorts of stories about the way in which your, your partnerships and relationships might develop in the future?
3: Yeah, definitely. I, I One of the first things that started to happen was our hospitality customers, partners that were still open, started to ask us for more stories about the difference we were making and in, inadvertently they were making by um, choosing to, to stock us and, and sell us. And so we started to connect them and WaterAid and, and really think about how as a business, we can sound more like a, a consumer business um, as opposed to a charity water, whilst also really landing the fact that when you choose Baloo, you are drinking the difference. And so it it started a, a dialogue. And one of the things that I said to a lot of our customers and partners is, you know, let's just bounce ideas off each other. It doesn't need to be about the water Let us help you become a business with purpose. Let us help you find other charitable partners. And I started to call businesses like HelloFresh and mobilise them around helping in the community. I'm a supporter of Hestia, the charity that supports women who are leaving domestic violence and abuse, young people with learning difficulties and people with mental health. And I had a call with them and they said, look, you know, we've got kids that have just left an abusive situation. They left with the clothes on their back. They don't have a pencil, let alone a laptop to be able to do their homework. Uh, Do you know anyone? And so mobilising partners, friends to get them equipment, to get them set up. HelloFresh diverted some of their boxes to Hestia facilities so that both staff and residents could have fresh food. I heard about some of the produce that was going into the boxes for people that were shielding. Uh, We heard that there were canned goods, spam, that sort of thing in some of the boxes. So we really went on a drive of, well, how can we bring fresh food to people? Um, We got Albright to um, also get on board and and, and support the activity. And all of that had nothing to do with water. It was just we are businesses that can come together and, and do some good in a crisis and sort of coming to what does the new normal look like, we're maintaining that. So the ongoing conversation has been, how do we work together going forward to ensure that from a local perspective, and I think local is new for Baloo. Our our focus has always been on international impact and bringing access and, and water to people in other places. Actually, what does our local impact look like? How can we, with our restaurant partners, ensure that they are impacting people immediately outside of, of their front door. How can we encourage other businesses that want to come on the journey of being more sustainable, responsible and community resilient? You know, What can we do to inspire them, to motivate them and, and help them jump some of the hurdles? And personally, for me, it's also about challenging businesses to think, differently about their operating models to know that there is a different way to think about the financial resource and power that they have Uh, and it's not just about shareholder value and shareholder gain but actually leveraging that to do more good exactly to the point that you made at the beginning of this doing good and doing well the two definitely work hand in hand but people need a bit of a nudge to to realize it. There's been a lot of energy going into that behind the scenes. And I'm hoping that come 2021, when people feel more confident to move beyond just trying to get back to profitability or, or you know, break even on, on, on cash, that we start to see people fundamentally behaving in a different way um, in terms of the way they run their business. And, and, and that goes beyond hospitality for us. We're speaking to lots of organisations about that.
0: That message, if you like, is is great for the future. I'm interested in how effectively it's it's managed to cut through right now with some of your hospitality, your restaurant partners who are, I guess, just worried about survival at the moment. And and what what also that's meant for your own bottom line. I mean, are you in a situation where you can focus on the sort of, um, you know, the big picture message around um, enhanced social value through these kinds of partnerships and people are are listening? Or are you also thinking, well, actually, we need to survive and sell some water too.
3: Again, I I know I'm going to sound like the eternal optimist, but the phone has been ringing off the hook when it comes to filtration and people really wanting to get behind the Blue Filter Initiative, which is where we install a filtration machine and uh, they ultimately sell water to customers and that funding then goes on to WaterAid. People get it. They they get the sustainability aspect of it because they have less single-use glass uh in, in their restaurant or or in their hotel. But then they also want to be able to tell the story and the impact of that water um, to their customers. So more and more they are using it as part of their conversation and their narrative, which obviously works for us. Financially, we are 75% down on. The budget that was planned for 2020. So I'm not here sitting, I'm not sitting sitting here saying, you know, we are doing amazingly well financially. We're we're not. For the first time in 10 years, we're not profitable. And as a new CEO, that's a hard pill to swallow. But I've totally refocused everyone in the business to, to think, you know, profit last at the minute. It's about understanding our purpose and moving forward, believing in our purpose no matter what making sure that everyone in our supply chain, everyone in the team, all of our partners know exactly what we stand for, what we do and why we're different and that our product is best in class. So taste-wise it's best in class, but from an environment environmental perspective, we are best in class and there's no compromise. You know, We do not ship in anything to make our, our, our products. We're proud of being uh, UK made it across the board. And then you know, if we get all of that right, when we get all of that right, the profit will return. And the board have been brilliant in believing in, in that model and allowing us to say, yeah, yeah, we can do all of the financial projections. And you know, we, we can chase lots of people to, to pay bills early, but it's just not who we are. Why are we going to harass our hospitality customers that don't know if they can open the doors tomorrow to pay this bill? Actually, it's better for us to be compassionate and and talk to them about other ways of of working together and other ways of having an impact and encouraging them to give their waste food to Olio. That, for me, feels like a much better conversation to have as opposed to there's a bill that needs to be paid.
0: I guess that you're able to do that and to think like that partially. I mean, obviously, you're driven to do it because of your values as an organisation. You're able to do it partly because actually you're in a strong financial position And as a social enterprise, you've been run pretty solidly, haven't you, over the last few years?
3: Yeah. I mean, brilliant leadership from from Karen Lynch over the last 10 years. And Blue is a robust business. Um, You know, the model is simple, the gross margins are good. And I think for for a business that was running low from a cash perspective, I, I can see that what I'm saying... Probably feels you know, it feels like a, a a very distant way of way of thinking, but I maintain even if our cash reserves weren't as as strong, and even if uh, operationally there were lots of challenges that we had to deal with, the ethos of what I'm saying still stands. In a time of crisis, people that double down on being mean and the bottom line, and we've heard lots of stories from our customers about this. You know, People chasing for for debts and calling in bailiffs—that is just not the way you operate in this time. It's about saying, "How can I help you? How can we help someone else? If you've got staff on furlough, you know what is it that we can do together? Can we help Hestia? Can we get some food to people that need it?" That's the only conversation that I was interested in in having, and through that we build better relationships for people coming out the or, or for all of the businesses and founders. Of, of, of restaurants or hotel groups um, coming out of the side because we connected in a, in a way that was beyond the financials. And that how can
0: I help message seems to come so strongly through through both of you um, as actually does the, the importance of being a, a robust business. And Anna, I guess, you know, the, the idea of helping people and asking them for you too was partly possible Because you were in a a good financial position um, and partly driven by the fact that um, social value came first.
1: It's very important for a charity to be sustainable. And at one point, it, it was very unfashionable to have healthy reserves. And I think I'm hoping that will change for the future because you just never know what's around the corner. And because we had the reserves, it then gives you confidence that you can carry on. But that does not mean it's an excuse that you ignore certain situations, and uh, and you do need to review what you no longer do. Do you need to make any uh, very difficult uh, decisions? Uh, because when when you've got healthy reserves, it is very tempting just to ignore them because you know your sort of the cash potential could could um, deal with it, but. If you sit around for too long doing nothing, they will quickly disappear. Natalie, you just
0: arrived at Baloo at at, at the point at which you were asked to lead in a very tricky situation. I'm really interested in what your approach to leadership was when you had to, uh, you know, relatively no time at all to build trust with your team.
3: So my first approach was to change the leadership model to shared leadership and it all in the spirit of Positivity, saying to the exec team or creating an executive team to say, right, this isn't about me. This isn't about a heroic leader out in front. You know, I said I'm I'm not going to be a martyr for this this business. Um, Everyone here has been here longer than me, given that I am the newest employee. So this is about shared leadership. I want everyone to step up and start to think strategically about who we are, where we're going, and. The trust was built through carving out creative time during our our gift of time, time to really dig into the numbers. So that how, who, when, um, gross profit, uh, net, getting everyone realigned to our relationship with WaterAid and also having that conversation with WaterAid to say when we come out of this both organisations will look different, the way we work together will look different but the need is going to be acutely more urgent and so having those conversations with people with that positive spirit but making it very clear that I wasn't about to tell everyone what to do, I was going to say what are the recommendations what are the ideas what's that thing that you've always wanted to say that maybe you haven't doing that at the very beginning a gave people space to say what they wanted to say to to be entrepreneurial i had lots of people when we first started say you know i don't really think like that i'm not an entrepreneur and i challenged them and said to run to be a part of baloo you you had to have been an entrepreneur nine people have delivered 6 million pounds turnover for the last couple of years you are entrepreneurial and you sort of see people go oh oh okay um well let me come back to you with that challenge that you 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 gave me and I'll, I'll I'll think about it in a different way and six months down the line I have a team of people that whereas before they were looking to me for solutions are coming to me saying right this opportunity has come up and we're going to go for it and I've de-risked it and I've looked at the finances and this is the proposition and this is the conversation we need to have with the board. I don't think that would have happened had we not have had the coronavirus pandemic and me coming in as a CEO, I would have had to have, I guess, lived out the final year uh, and strategy of uh, Karen and the, and the previous CEO and the team would have always been heads down doing the doing and if I said to them you know think entrepreneurially about this they probably would have said I'm too busy whereas you can't say you're too busy when sales flatline to zero I just brought my most authentic self to them and I was very honest about what I call my shadow side so what happens when I'm stressed? What happens when i 'm not resilient? What happens when i 'm not sleeping? How do I respond? We also said that we won 't immediately think about growing the team we want We want to grow the business and um, our our goal is to to be 15 million turnover at, at a minimum um, business by 2025 but we're not going to do that by having lots of bums on seats actually we want to bring in the best so I encourage the team to go out and build their own networks versus waiting for me to bring my black book in and say right here are all the people we are going to work with and so they've had a brilliant time just getting to know people in their sector whereas before they were too busy to do that and all of, it's, it's really the small things that make the difference. Um, because we couldn't have after work drinks. I sent them a bottle of wine or a bottle of Noseco on a Friday. They didn't know it was turning up. And I said, This is my, this is my first round. And hopefully I'll be able to buy you all around in person at some point. That for them was like, oh, wow, okay. You know, she was thinking about us on a on a on a Friday. Um, making sure that during our our one-to-ones it wasn't just about work and performance and delivery but just checking in you know how are you how is it going how's the family how how are your parents um you know what's going on for you spending time having that conversation meant that when we got together in september it felt like i'd known the team for a lot longer than 6 months and what i've been saying to the team on a regular basis is how do we maintain all of those really special connecting moments that meant that we were a high performing team during a very challenging time because it's very easy to fall back into BAU how do we take the trauma of what's happened and come out better stronger more positive more open more high performing and some of that is about putting processes in place whether that's coaching or other frameworks around individuals but equally it's just just being good to each other.
0: That's great. Thank you, Natalie. You mentioned growth in in amongst uh, um, what you were saying just now and um, and an aim to grow to, did you say to 15 million turnover by 2025?
3: Okay, so, so it's actually 20 million. Um, 20 million, sorry. Yeah. No, from, no, I did. From what now? So it's 6 million, 6 million turnover. Obviously, we're a lot lower than that and we'll probably end the year 2.5, maybe 3. So we, we'll be 50% in, in revenue. Um, over 2020, it could be different. Who, who knows? Um, but the goal is 2021. We, have, we are focusing on on growth, so we have a very specific roadmap that's looking at UK-wide growth. So new channels, new product ranges, but international growth through filtration. We're looking at investment to do that. Investment is a new thing for Blue. And there's never been any external. Uh, sort of in the Karen era there hasn't been external investment um, there's no loans no grants that sort of thing we've been talking about what does it mean um, and why would we do it to grow but the reality is is that we can't we can't be a bigger business we can't be a small giant and take on the Danones and the PepsiCo's of this world if we don't think differently about how we grow the investment that we get in to do that so we can be a 20 million turnover business by 2025. So I'm interested
0: then in 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 this idea of growth and how you align three things really growth uh, and an attitude towards it risk because risk comes with wanting to grow as it comes with any business and also the idea of impact and and, and measuring it and philosophically a, a lot of businesses do want to grow a lot of social businesses say they want to grow because it it will increase their social impact, but also growth can be a a fool's game sometimes. And I'm interested in in both of your um, takes on this and maybe Anna first, um, you know, you you I'm sure have some um, views on growth for growth's sake, but also on the importance of growing and measuring impact. And I'm I'm wondering how those things sit together and and what your take is on this.
1: Uh, Tim, you know me too well. I'm controversially against growth it might be just a reaction to part of my career i I listen too much of the my my turnover is bigger than yours sort of mentality and if you're too focused on growth then you and i've experienced this um you forget about sustainability you forget about the surplus or the profit if you're a social enterprise so for me the turnover is irrelevant But what is important to me is the social value that we get out of what we do. So how much of that sort of charitable activity are we doing? How much are we putting back into the community? How much of a difference we're making uh, through our transport, uh, through our charitable activities, not through our contracts? You know, some years... Uh, you may lose a contract and your turnover goes down. Some years it, it may go up. And I just didn't, n- never wanted that to be the focus because you don't always have control, particularly in our world. You do not have a control over things. So, yes, we can try and grow uh, how many people we take out on outings and, and the numbers are small. But, you know, if you take 10 one, one week and you take 20 another, well, that's that's large growth and, and that's something we should be proud of.
2: I've just got a, a, a small curiosity maybe going back to what Natalie was saying about investment. Some of the forms of investment that are uh, pushed in the direction of social businesses almost drive a short-termism because there's a, a responsibility to provide a return to investors and whether may, maybe you, you've um, had talks with people about any, any longer-term types of financing or longer-term approaches to finance and growth you might get or how you would manage the trade-off between investors interests and yours if if you were having to deal with um, maybe maybe loan finance of some sort.
3: I was nodding away as as Anna was was talking so we have principles around growth for us because it isn't growth for growth's sake it's growth so that we can demonstrate there is a better way to do business and so the first principle is that you know, we won't be pushed to move faster than we need to, and we will not compromise on a single value. We will never compromise on the environmental efficacy or the sustainability practices in place. So we will not go into aluminium cans, which could which could make us a lot of money. You know, we don't see the need to move into high volume retail. They're already in other brands. There, um, you know, that would be a, a fast buck um, to be made. It's not right for us. We want to look at what is the future of water consumption that butts up against the truth of water, you know, is a 19 billion pound market. And given that we're only 6 million in revenue of that, there's room for us to grow. And the dynamic and the focus for us on on between 15 and 20 million by 2025 is that we wanted to map out what that meant from a net profit perspective so we knew exactly how much we could give to WaterAid and what the wider impact would be but not just that how much can we invest in the circular economy Uh, we want to invest more in our own innovation and infrastructure to prove there's a better way to bring soft drinks to people Um, so it's the mapping for it And the financials behind it are quite complex and we will not take any investment that pushes us away from delivering against the principles that we have outlined. Which means we'll say no to a lot of people, then it's their loss at the end of the day.
2: Well, I was I was just wondering, uh, picking up on another point that Anna mentioned, uh, but putting it to you, Natalie, that the. The, the thing about KPIs and measurement, uh, and obviously being an accountant, I'm mad for it, but th- there's, a, there's a big pushback against that as a, a driver. And On the other hand, as you grow and you become more complex, actually being able to run the organization just by being able to be in touch with all eight other people you work with becomes more difficult when they become 15 or 20 or, or whatever. And, and I just wondered
3: what your thoughts were on, on what Anna said. So I'm I'm not a fan of of KPIs. I I think it was it's a process that you put in and it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't motivate people to jump out of bed in the morning. What I am a fan of is data. You need to know the numbers, the metrics, the inputs that drive the business. So you know how you're performing year on year. How do we then use that data to understand our customer journey how do we make sure that our the tech that powers the business aligns to the customer journey so we can remove inefficiency that's where my focus is and then for Pete, for the team I'm going to you know say the framework again purpose people product profit everyone is measured against how far how close we are to delivering the purpose
0: We're coming to the end of our time now, so um, as much as I would love to continue the conversation, we just want to ask both of you if you could perhaps, to end with, share one key piece of advice or or lesson that you've learned that you think might help other leaders succeed in their social enterprise journeys. So um, maybe Anna first, uh, what would you select as your top tip?
1: Sleep on any big decision don't don't be in a rush to make a decision i'm not saying don't be decisive but sort of don't send emails when you're angry or cross just reflect on it and try and understand where that person may be coming from to try and explain their behaviours.
3: Mine, uh, as a CLAW social leadership fellow, is know yourself, be yourself, look after yourself.
0: Excellent. Well, lots of wise words to end this podcast with. So um, thank you very much indeed from me to both of you.
2: Yeah, and thank you very much from me.
0: Fascinating. Thank you.
1: Well, it's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you. This has been Fit for the Future with me, Eddie Finch. And me, Tim West. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and please feel free to share your thoughts via email at hello at pioneerspost.com or on Twitter at Pioneers Post and at Buzzercot. Goodbye. Goodbye.